Welcome to 24 Karis. Um, I'm Kelly Johnson, founder and CEO of Karis by KJE, where we partner with organizations to transform workplace cultures through the power of we, the power of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right now, we're having this great conversation about the financial impact of focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we have none other than Terrence Hutchins, our CFO, and also um, founder of Logos Financial Group. Um, so he helps individuals and other organizations as well with their financial health and growth. Uh, so Terrence, we started the conversation. I think you did such a great job of like giving us like the backstory, the foundation. Um, let's keep going and yep. talk a little bit more about something I think you and I had discussed once before yep. in this this Harvard Business Review uh, report that talked about the 11 volatiles yeah. in the market. And um, what, what are your thoughts or what would you add to that in terms of how DEI is a factor? So, you know, one thing we talked about just in relation to your vision for the company and how you see it growing over time, we talk about just your, uh, to use a financial term, like enterprise value. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's almost like, okay, what is someone willing to pay for this business one day? And one of the drivers of that or how you can increase that is through the value behind your quote-unquote human capital. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's hard to quantify, but generally if I'm thinking about wanting to buy a business, I think, okay, what do I get? All right, I get maybe some customers, I get some equipment, some you know assets, uh, but I also potentially get staff. And so you think, one, in my own business, I wouldn't, you know, hiring is not something I love having to think about. <laughs> you know? Really? Um, no. So, you know, I love obviously working with people, helping them be more financially prudent with their decision making or how businesses grow and develop. But when it comes to the actual human side of things, it's something that can get lost in the shuffle. Right. But if I wanted to buy my business or your business or someone else's business, I would think, well, hey, how do these employees feel about where they work? Mm. Am I going to come in and they're going to think, oh, man, I really love that other person? One, that would be a positive. I say, hey, well, how can I help them maintain that reality? But also, if people hated what they did, I knew I was in for an uphill battle. So what I bought actually wasn't as valuable as I thought. Because now I'm coming into a group of people where human nature says when they have a negative experience, they're going to communicate it much more than a positive experience. And so in the workforce, if something is, is negative or someone doesn't feel included, then that can cause fractures, that can cause disagreements, or whenever management has to make a change for the benefit of their long-term vision, then people are less likely to trust the vision. Right. When they like being at work, they're just going to make it work. When they've been somewhere a long time and they're comfortable there, they'll at least move probably a little more quickly to get on board with the vision of the company. Mm -hmm. And so in an environment where we have to innovate, we have to be on top of things as the social construct changes over time or technology changes, being able to have a cohesive team that says, hey, you know what? I'm not comfortable with maybe the change initially, but I trust the people that I work with. You know, my leadership cares about me. They make me feel accepted. Those are things that when something happens that they don't like, 
they're less likely to communicate and talk about it and kind of keep that in the, the, the consciousness of the employees so that it becomes something that could have just been squashed pretty right. simply. I always think about, you know, if you go to a restaurant and, you know, they mess up your order, but if you're, you've a really cordial waiter and they felt like they were really wanting to accommodate you, you'd be much more different in your approach to how you handled not having things go to your expectation. Right. And so often... In business, because we have so much other things to worry about, that can get lost in the shuffle. And I think it can create this disruptions in the workforce if we don't have that concentration on DEI mm-hmm. as an organization. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And um, I, if I look back at what the the report is talking about, it was also citing, um, you know, there is this element, this component of how people are treated. But what Harvard Business Review specifically highlighted Um, as one of the 11 volatiles that's going to shape the workforce, it's actually fairness and equity. Mm -hmm. You know, and if we think about when employees feel like they're not being treated fairly, right, the disengagement, um, and like you were talking about, how how willing am I going to be to embrace change Mm -hmm. if I feel like I've been treated unfairly by the organization, by leaders, um, if the policies have an impact if we think about equity you know a lot of times equity inequities often come through policies mm-hmm. or the practices of implementing those policies and so um, I think it's interesting and, and huge that Harvard Business Review cited fairness and equity in particular because actually diversity and inclusion tend to get more of the focus more yeah. of the attention Equity, the E in DEI, yeah. is often not as, it's, I won't say it's not talked about as much. I just think it's an aspect that people are less familiar with. Mm-hmm. And then it, it also gets into an area where people feel like, oh, if you're talking about fairness or equity, that might mean you're taking something from me. Yeah. You know, what am I going to lose or what's at stake or what's the risk? But the fact that, you know, if we talked about the great resignation earlier and employees are looking to be treated fairly and if organizations aren't paying attention to that it goes it perpetuates this cycle of turnover having to staff not being as productive so i don't know anything else you want to kind of add to that well yeah i was thinking about uh, i do a little bit of real estate investing Mm -hmm. and i listen to different people who own like multifamily complexes or storage unit facilities. And the owner, prior to them, a lot of times when they buy it, was kind of absentee. Mm. <laughs> and so that's reflected with the them not having rent increases and they're not keeping up with the property like they should. And so a lot of times people will uh, deal with being treated unfairly when they feel like they don't have other options. But in today's environment, specifically in the workforce, there are a lot of job openings. You know, people are looking for people to come to work. <laughs> and if you are available and you have a certain skill set, you could probably find somewhere else to work. Right. And specifically with people talking and being more transparent about pay and what should I be making for the job that I'm doing. And when they start hearing other people seemingly having better than they do in a similar environment, then that causes them to feel discontent. And that discontentment will kind of fester and lead to them possibly leaving. And that goes back to the turnover we mentioned before. And uh, the funny thing about on the rental side was 
they said, you know, sometimes these people would not have rent increases for like 10 years. Oh, wow. All right. And so they'd come in and they would immediately obviously raise the rent <laughs> to make it more profitable. And then they, they said the person would come in and they'd say, well, you know, how are you going to come in and raise the rent? And they said, well, look, you almost should be thanking me because you had rent fixed for 10 years. <laughs> uh, and so sometimes even though things aren't unfair, if they're perceived as unfair, yes. then that's all it can take. And communication and, as you said, policies that are put in place to maybe even put in checkpoints to make sure that people are understanding not only this is what we're doing, but this is why we're doing it. And when I am going to make a change, making sure that we do go above and beyond so that everyone's on the same page, yes. so that we're all moving in the same direction. And ultimately, that leads to be, people being more productive, things being more efficient, and how long they take, and you being able to more run more effectively as a company overall. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point, um, the perception mm -hmm. of unfairness or fairness. And we deal with that a lot in organizations. And... I'm reminded of this time I was talking to a, an executive who was expressing concern um, about the future for his children. Yeah. Um, you know, and and he, you know, he was referencing that his children are white; they're white men, and that he's concerned about their ability in the future to um, have a kind of a level playing field when it comes to finding a job. And you know, I I found it interesting because, and so I said, well. I know as a, as a mother, as a parent of a, a black male child, I know the concerns that I have about my children's future. And those concerns are rooted in personal experiences yeah. as well as data, right? You know, statistically, um, if we look at who gets hired, who gets promoted, um, my son is going to face challenges. My children will face challenges more than likely. And so... I, I posed the question, I said, what data or experiences are you drawing from that's causing the concern, Yeah. right? And, I, and so I think it's, there's this perception that if we focus on diversity, we're being unfair mm -hmm. to others. Yeah. And I think you really hit on a, an aspect of this work even though this isn't your day job, right. you're, you're more focused on the spreadsheets, but I think you hit on something that, that we, we see quite yeah. often in organizations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, as you said, you know, I even had a conversation a couple weeks ago with a group of friends mm -hmm. and a couple of them are white mm -hmm. and they were just talking about the environment where it's almost as if the white male is under attack yeah. to a degree. And I think there is certainly validity to what they're saying, mm -hmm. but at a large scale, it's similar to the fact of being an only child. And now all of a sudden, my parents had the audacity <laughs> to have another kid. And so the t attention is not solely on me. Now it's on this other person. Right. And that takes some adjustment. Yeah. And so obviously your parents should not decide on who they give things more to or that. But if the opportunity is equal for both of them, then that's, I think, what a lot of minorities have, have wanted. Mm -hmm. And so the natural human tendency is to maybe overcompensate for things that haven't always been equal or haven't always been fair mm -hmm. and to try to include the other side or the minority mm -hmm. to give them more opportunity because they've been missing in that. 
Yeah. But I don't think that because someone else gets an opportunity, one of the beauties of being in America is in a capitalistic society, generally the best man or woman wins out. Mm -hmm. Or person. Or yes. person. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, hopefully you can create that kind of environment at your organization yeah. where they know that, hey, despite of my race, gender, you know, religion affiliation, yeah. orientation, that I can still get opportunity the same as the next person to me. Yeah. I, I love that analogy of parents, right? Like in a healthy family, mm -hmm. right? So in a healthy organization, the leaders should be able to provide attention and resources fairly equitably across all employees, just like healthy parents can provide love, attention, resources to all their children, even as they're adding right. adding more right, uh, exactly. to the nest. So um, I think that's a, a great way to look at it. And I, I think it's normal for us to all fear the unknown. Um, I mean, we certainly don't discredit the, the validity of the concern or that, you know, it's real. Um, but I do think we have to really pay attention to do we have the perception that it's unfair or is it really unfair? Right. So good conversation. Thank you, Terrence, uh, for kind of shedding your perspective. I think it's good. I mean, even though you're a part of our team, you know, there's diversity of thought and perspectives of yeah. how we can look at DEI. And I, our goal really through this conversation in this series is to provide a holistic view mm -hmm. around DEI, the financial perspective, but also, you know, because I think sometimes there's this, perception or opinion that DEI can be kind of fluffy, yeah. touchy-feely, but by having you here, yeah. we get to kind of look at it holistically. So thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to our next conversation. Great. And thank you as always for tuning in to 24 Karis, where we help you um, live out your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion 24-7, 365. I'm Kelly Johnson, and I'll see you next time.